Gentle listeners, this is RVA Dirt's Melissa Vaughn, and it is my honor and privilege to be back with you after a brief hiatus. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Quick and Dirty Sh- I mean... City Council Roundup, chronicling the July 27th meeting of Richmond City Council. I'd like to begin by informing everyone that we are still conducting municipal meetings by video conference. How delightful. Thank you, Mr. Addison, Mr. Hilbert. Mr. Hilbert looks, I can't tell you, look frozen and muted. Mr. Hilbert, you're muted. Uh, I, I can't unmute. I, I don't know what's happening. If you are desirous of suffering... <clears throat> Watching along with me, you can find the meeting schedule at richmondva.legistar.com slash calendar. Just click on the little in progress button next to the meeting entry. If you would like to get your two cents in to your council member, make sure to email cityclerksoffice at richmondgov.com by 10 a.m. the day of the meeting. You can ask them to speak on the call, or you can submit a statement in writing, which will be attached for public viewing on the approved minutes at the next council meeting. Hope that little tidbit of info is helpful. Shout out to Super Liaison Summer Morris for the lowdown. All right, y'all, bring on the pain. And the wine, which is truly the best and most necessary part of any city council viewing party. Also, special appearance by the public commenter countdown clock. Even in virtual meetings, council still prays and pledges. Because of that, I learned a new word, individual. Who lets Sarah Palin in here? They could refudiate what it is. Unfortunately, there were no general public commenters, but there were some for individual items, which we didn't have to wait long to hear because consent agenda... Yes! Yes! breezed on by and we flew into regular agenda. And this is where we stayed all night long. It's been seven hours and 15 days. First up is the paper patroned by the Sixths, Ellen Robertson, to restore funding from the COVID slashed budget to the Affordable Housing Trust Fund and Eviction Diversion Program, because this city is in a major housing and eviction crisis and every cent is needed. The paper mostly goes over well, but of course there's always one or two party poopers. As is par for the course for Kim Gray, she thinks we need more planning and used her buzzword of the evening, holistic, in describing the approach she would prefer to take in these sorts of matters. She used that word holistic multiple times throughout the evening, though mostly followed up with decidedly unholistic statements. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. 
And then we get to Kristen Larson, who thinks we should stay the course and only give the money allocated by the special COVID emergency fund. She said that we should not allocate this money during these uncertain times. Like, really, Mrs. Scrooge? How about all the housing uncertain and unstable folks that are about to be suffering because we have no eviction moratorium? Are you seeking money from it? Many thousands are in want of common necessaries. Hundreds of thousands are in want of common comforts. Are there no prisons? Plenty of prisons. The workhouses, they're still in operation? They are. I wish I could say they were not. The treadmill, the poor houses, still in full vigor? All very busy, sir. <laughs> I was afraid from what you said, that something had stopped them in full force. Well, at least most of council was on board, with President Cynthia Newbill recognizing the importance by saying that it shouldn't be either or, but both and. Mike Jones of the 9th and the 8th's Reva Trammell both abstained because reasons. Kristen and Kim are the naysayers, of course. Despite that, this paper was adopted. The councilors then passed an ordinance to lower the speed limit on Patterson at the Pepper Avenue area from 35 to 25, despite the administration's objections. Mark Olinger, or Olinger, or however you pronounce that dude's name, thinks 35 miles per hour is just right. But the residents and business owners and people who keep getting into car accidents do not agree. Is anyone else sick of Mark? He's also a VCU employee as well as our city's director of planning, which rubs me the wrong way, as well as some of his conclusions. Can we maybe get a new guy? Because I'm pretty sure he won't be hurting if he gets the boot from this job. Maybe someone who lives in the now and listens to residents' concerns. I don't know. What do you think? Also, dude guy who owns the Exxon just off the 95 Arthur Ashe Boulevard exit finally got his 85-foot sign. Yay. Some other things happened, but let's zip forward to the meat and taters of the meeting, shall we? It's the task force to figure out how to create a completely independent civilian review board with subpoena power so the people can finally check these wild-ass cops ordinance. This paper passes unanimously, as does the paper to establish a working group to develop a plan for implementation of a Marcus Alert system, named for Marcus David Peters, an unarmed, naked man experiencing a mental health crisis who was murdered by RPD officer Michael Nyantaki a little over two years ago. This alert would send out mental health and addiction specialists to de-escalate situations so that maybe cops won't go gun down another person that needs help, not death. So, you would think with the passing of these two papers that the next one might be a no-brainer. But this is Richmond City Council, so you would be wrong. The resolution in question, patroned by Jones and the fifth's Stephanie Lynch, would merely explore areas in the Richmond Police Department's budget that could possibly be reallocated to other city departments and community orgs that specialize in mental health and substance abuse issues, as well as other social services. The exploratory measure would deal with the misleadingly named defunding of police. The discussions surrounding this issue made me woeful fully aware that a majority of council members have no idea what the they are talking about. And honestly, it only takes a wee bit of Googling to find out that this would not rip RPD's precious $96 million budget away from them. It would reallocate certain funds to professionals more equipped to deal with sensitive issues than the cops who can't wait to tear gas and shoot residents. Insert giant exasperated sigh forever and ever and ever. Amen. As you can imagine, the support from the community was strong, but the ill-informed and often vitriolic and condescending rhetoric from those opposed caused many a blood to boil. Mine, specifically. Here, let me play you a snippet of new chief of police Gerald Smith's objection. Try not to barf. This is a new laptop, okay? From day one, I've been pretty consistent that we should be funding the change that we want to see in our community. Words matter. They matter because of the implications they give. Defunding implies a reduction 
of something, a loss of faith, and a lack of support. Words matter because they can devastate the morale of the department. Words matter to the officers of the RPD. I know words. I have the best words. Just to pull some of the words out that I've mentioned, inspire, collaborate, transparency, improve. Just to add two more, we can, we can include reimagine and fund the change. Those who have been called everything but a child of God, while others have joyously chanted defund the police simultaneously. The passing of this resolution can affect my ability to inspire the change that we all want to see in RPD. I will examine the RPD budget head to toe in the, in the spirit of improvement. But first, right now, I have to change the misconception that the RPD budget is up for grabs as if it were a yard sale. I'm sure you realize the glaring problem with the speech, but I'm going to spell it out anyway. Chief Smith number two keeps saying, fund the change, fund the change. This paper would have paved the way for funding the change. He even sounded like he wanted more money. $96 million is not enough, y'all. Dear Chief Gerald Smith, just repeating the most positive words you said during your speech in a condescending tone doesn't make them sincere. You have no intention of making major changes. We know because you allow your officers to fire tear gas and rubber bullets indiscriminately at Richmond citizens from rooftops. So what if it makes officers sad when the citizen recalls them names and expresses anger over their over-the-top tactics? Oh, wah! Suck it up, buttercups! If you are that thin-skinned, then you are in the wrong profession. If you can't handle regular folks expressing their First Amendment rights, go get an office job that doesn't give you the power to harm and kill our people. You're not out on our streets to keep the peace. You are out there to get your rocks off on shooting people. This paper you opposed, Chief Smith, would have helped to fund the real change, like the Marcus Alert, a civilian review board, and other necessary social services that your officers cannot be trusted to handle. It's clear you're scared. You're scared of the people. If this speech is reflective of your leadership, can we return you and get a refund? I've wasted enough of your time on this joker. Let me move on to dissenting council members. I'll begin with Cynthia Newbill and Andreas Addison, who both voted no with reservations because they would both like to research more, talk more, figure it out outside of legislation first. Fair enough, I guess. At least y'all are both willing to consider something like this paper at another time. Obviously, Lynch and Jones tried their best to educate the rest of you yahoos, but to no avail. Those who are willfully and maliciously ignorant cannot be taught. Reva, of course, extolled the virtues of the police department, even focusing on one particular officer who gave a child a birthday party. A birthday party. OMG, y'all, what would we do without this officer? She also launched into a shaming tirade and pulled out the old, what would you do if the police didn't answer your calls adage? Girl, they don't. I mean, if you're black, brown, trans, or live in a marginalized community, they do not answer calls. Instead, they harass people who are just chilling on porches. These are the facts. Facts Reva doesn't want to hear. So, on to Vice President Chillard Chilmore's pearls of wisdom. Re, not understanding the term defunding police. He said, and I quote, if you're explaining in policy, you're losing. What the wah 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 what? Excuse me, sir. Not everyone automatically understands every policy issue. Have you read the way our ordinances are written? You should be explaining policy to your constituents in an educated manner. Clearly, that is too much to ask of no Chilbert. Third district residents, I'm sorry for you, but take heart. You are blessed with a fresh start this election season and the candidates look promising. I I'm, I'm just gonna save y'all any more despair and heartache. They killed the paper. I know you aren't shocked. If I know anything about Jones and Lynch, it's that they're persistent. So I would expect this issue to be raised again and repeatedly. I'll wrap 
by saying that announcements are nice and all, but every council person should have an email list that you can subscribe to that provides residents with a district newsletter. There are many representatives who excel at communication and others that are failing miserably. If your elected official cannot respond to emails in a timely fashion, send you an electronic newsletter monthly, or handle a simple Zoom meeting without multiple snafus and frustrations with this newfangled technology, they do not deserve to represent people in this crazy futuristic world. Future's now, old man. If you need a smoke detector, get a flippin' smoke detector from our super rad firefighters. God, I'm so glad this is over. I will rate this show five melted, defective smoke detectors out of five. See you in a few weeks. I just can't. I need a drink. (laughs) And a Xanax. (laughs) Give me a drink and a Xanax.